Hey everyone, welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and ask ourselves, why the flick did we watch this? I'm your host, Claire, and this week I'm super excited to be joined by Abby and Caitlin from the Ride Home Podcast. Thank you guys for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank We're you. We're so excited. I really enjoyed getting to listen to your podcast and I feel like we have pretty similar like tastes in movies and Mm -hmm. a similar format as well for our show. So I think this is going to be a super fun discussion and yeah, the movie that we're going to be talking about today, um, if you listened to last week's episode, we covered Mean Girls, so we took a little pivot mm-hmm. in our Scary Movie <laughs> podcast, or did we? Because we also determined that Mean Girls might also be considered a slight scary movie. Um, <laughs> There's nothing more scary than a teenage girl, so absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but we are definitely getting back into the spooky season and the spooky vibes today because the movie we're talking about is Halloween, the original one from 1978, directed mm-hmm. by John Carpenter. He also wrote the screenplay along with Deborah Hill and wrote the music. I mean, he like did so much for this movie. He did everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I will uh, just read the IMDb description, even though everybody knows what Halloween is about, but uh, it goes 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois to kill again. Um, So I know why you, why the flick, I should say, you all picked this movie, (laughs) but for our listeners, can you share... So I am a Halloween super fan. It is my favorite horror movie period of all time. So I'm going to show my cards here and just say like, you know, this is my starter horror movie. I think that I would show anybody who's new to horror. Um, And it's also just kind of like the godfather of (laughs) slasher movies. It's, it's what started, you know, what we know today as a slasher Mm -hmm. and, I really think that it was a moment in time that just shifted the way that everybody saw horror. And so it's just a really special movie to me. And so that's why I chose it. Um, Can't say that she chose it, but (laughs) (laughs) I picked it. But um, I've introduced you to the whole Halloween series Mm -hmm. in depth last year. Yeah. Wow. I would say... You introduced me to a lot of horror movies. I mean, I think I kind of watched horror movies like in middle school and high school, but I never really like got into it that mm-hmm. much. So you definitely introduced me to this movie in particular. And I think it's definitely become one of my favorites too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that it's like every time you watch it, it's just, it never gets old you never get tired of it. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's one of my faves for sure. It's also something like Hocus Pocus, where when you play it during the Halloween season, it just like puts you in mm-hmm. the mood. Like it just immediately shoots you into the Halloween season. It feels like 
Halloween in a movie. Mm -hmm. It really does. And it's just like the spooky adult scary version of Halloween. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like a quintessential Halloween October Mm -hmm. timeline like movie that you have to watch along with Hocus Pocus. Like those two, I feel like every year, like for me now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And I, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I didn't used to really be that much into horror movies. And it was really only over the last couple of years where I've called it my horror renaissance, where I've started like <laughs> deep diving into horror uh-huh. movies more. And I'm like such a fan now and I love it. So great. It's so good. And so the, the first, I have to be honest, the first time I ever watched this movie was just last year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like... Okay, so here's the story. I I saw the Rob Zombie Halloween when Ooh. I know when I was 17. <laughs> My friends and I went to the local drive-in, and we were gonna have mm-hmm. this like double feature scary movie night, and that movie scarred me for life, and it turned completely what. like turned me off from wanting to watch any of the others. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years ago, when I was getting into more horror movies, I was like, you know what? this is iconic for a reason so I need to pay my respects and mm-hmm. I need to give this movie a shot and I love it so much it is it's so good mm-hmm. yeah I think the thing about the original Halloween is if you go into it like completely blind and you're not really used to horror it is a, like a little bit of an adjustment for your brain because yeah. it is very old school it doesn't have a lot of practical effects it's very like low on the blood it's low on like prosthetics it's not Mm. what we typically see from like a modern horror so if you're going from like something like barbarian and then you (laughs) watch this you might not think that it's scary Mm. but at the same time there is no other movie in my opinion besides maybe the strangers where if I turn all the lights off and I'm by myself and I'm watching this movie I just have that like eerie feeling Mm that just sits with you that it's just like is there a dude like sitting outside my house right now (laughs) (laughs) so I that's what I love about this movie is it's just so much about like true fear and menacing Mm -hmm. that we don't really get in those movies where it's just all about gore all about violence yeah and Mm -hmm. that's that's one of my favorite things about this movie yeah I love the psychological thriller aspect of this Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. and it's you know, nowadays, what we would deem like a, a gory slasher film, it doesn't give me that Halloween yeah. the original doesn't. But there is still violence that happens. And there's so much tension that gets built out throughout the movie that by the end, when all like the majority of the kills happen, it's, it's still scary. It still like spooks yeah. me, for mm-hmm. sure. And the music too, like that <sighs> intro music and throughout... Yeah. really sets the mood and the like the slow pan zoom into the jack-o'-lantern i mean mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. iconic and and you it's don't so even good. have to have watched this movie to know that specific music mm-hmm. like, yeah. soundtrack exactly i actually told her today the first scene i ever saw from the movie was when i was like a teenager my mom would never have let me watch horror movies i got <laughs> yeah. horror in my adulthood i was from a very religious family if i had watched this movie on my TV at home, I would have been sent to church for 48 hours. (laughs) But I was just like scrolling through channels. I was home alone. And it's the scene of Lori walking through the house towards the end. And that music in that scene, and just the way that it's filmed, I just remember very specifically and very like, 
I don't know, like tangibly being like, what is this? Mm -hmm. Like, what is this movie? (laughs) And I had never even like heard of it. Um, And so I feel like whenever I got into horror as an adult, it was one of the first movies I was like, I remember this scene. I need to go back and watch the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. I was so happy that I was not disappointed by the rest of it because it really, it sat with me ever since I was a kid Mm -hmm. and it still sits with me. Yeah. I I wanted to ask, are you a fan of the franchise as a whole and or just the original Halloween? So I love the franchise as a whole with caveats. (laughs) So um, we actually did an episode last year in October where (laughs) I forced her to watch every single Halloween movie. Oh my goodness. Minus the Rob Zombie (laughs) movies, because I, I think to be honest and frank, this might offend people. The Rob Zombie movies are an insult. Like they're an insult to what John yeah. Carpenter's Halloween is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so bad. It's so over the top. And it just leans into a lot of really, I don't know, just dry, overused themes in mm-hmm. horror that I just like, Rob, come on, man. Um, <laughs> but I love Halloween. I think Halloween 2 is incredible. Um I highly suggest people to go watch Halloween 2 if they like the original. And I also personally absolutely adore Halloween 4. Um, really? That is that is probably my favorite sequel. Um, what was yours again? Was it? I think you like 2 the best. I think I like 2 yeah. the best as well. That's the hospital one. Yeah. Yeah. But there are some issues. And that <laughs> is Halloween Resurrection is really bad. Um, that's the one that <laughs> is an early 2000s disaster. Um, <laughs> it's worth a watch if you just want to laugh along with it. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and Halloween 6 is pretty bad as well. Um, that's the one with Paul Rudd. And oh, Paul yeah. Rudd is a cutie patootie, but it's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen Halloween 2. I like that one as well. Um, mm-hmm. I've also seen Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and I know yeah. it's not yeah. like really associated with Michael Myers, but I still had a fun time watching that movie. And I love that movie. Yeah. And it's like, that's what John Carpenter originally intended, I think, with Halloween mm-hmm. was for them to be like an anthology series and to have it not follow Michael Myers each time. But Michael Myers became so popular that it, mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. became associated with him. So it's funny yeah. how he I don't know if he meant to like trick people into thinking it was going to be another Michael Myers movie and it had nothing to do with it. I mean, not really had anything to do with with him in particular, but I still like that one. I haven't seen four through six. I like read mm-hmm. a whole like anthology of or article of like summarizing the movies just so I can like mm-hmm. try to like get the history and the lowdown of everything that happened and it sounds like it takes some wild turns um, it definitely does <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it I haven't seen does. the re- the newer ones that okay. have come out recently except mm-hmm. I did see Halloween ends it's the only one of the three of the new ones that I saw mm-hmm. and that one's interesting to say the least but I'm interested out of context from the other two was Halloween ends just like what am I watching yeah it was like (laughs) okay even my husband because he watched Halloween and and Halloween kills and so we watched Halloween ends I was like whatever I uh, I'll just like pick up on what's going on Mm -hmm. when I watch it but yeah we 
we're both like, uh, this is very different. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed the 2018 Halloween, which is mm-hmm. like the first of that new trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really good. We're actually, we live in Charleston and they filmed it here. And so oh, cool. it was really cool. Like, the opening scene where he's at like the where michael's at the mental institution that's actually like where she went to grad school mm-hmm. and they filmed the dance scene in that movie for people who have seen it like right across the street from my apartment and i saw that the film so cool. crew there every single day yeah. and so like there's a special place in like our hearts for that one mm-hmm. but kills and ends are just tragedies in our yeah <laughs> yeah I think it was really a miss. And I think for me, I, I don't think I have as much of an appreciation as the, like for the franchise as you do, just mm-hmm. because I'm not as familiar with it. So I think for me, I'm always going to go back to the original Halloween because yeah. it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, that's, you mm-hmm. know, like that's yeah. the one that always stood out to me. And like the other ones are good and I enjoy them, but it's just like something about a classic that it's like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of originals, so I think that's (laughs) always going to be my favorite, for sure. Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned, like you have to recognize the fact that Halloween made slasher films what they are today. Mm -hmm, And yes, like there had been slasher films before that had come out, like Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but Mm -hmm. Halloween really made slashers mainstream. I mean, like we're all wearing Halloween shirts. You can show them off. Yeah. Um, I also have a dog, a spooky dog, oh, I earrings, and I feel like this is in honor of Lester, R.I.P. Lester. Oh, Lester. Um, I know. I know. Sorry to dog lovers. The dog does die in this movie. The dog movie. does die. Unfortunately. But at least it was very quick, and I didn't have very to quick. see too yeah. much of it. I feel like um, it was the yeah. most uh, PG dog killing scene yeah. we get in a horror movie, which mm-hmm. I appreciate about it. I did, yeah. too. I appreciate that there's not a lot of violence. At, mm-hmm. And if there is, like, it's very tame, you know? Yeah. And I probably at the time in the 70s, it was a lot for people. Sure. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, we, you know, I'm used to seeing, like, guts hanging out and, like, exactly. you know, blood splurting out of slashed throats. But um, mm-hmm. I like that it's not too gratuitous because it allows me to, like, en- enjoy and appreciate it more, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool... Um, it's just like a short episodic series on Netflix called um, movies that made us. And Mm. there's a really good episode about Halloween. And I think my favorite thing that the producer said was that when he gave John Carpenter the go ahead to make this movie and that he would fund it, he said, and I quote, I want the audience to be frightened, not repulsed. And I think at that time there were a lot of, kind of repulsive Mm b-list horror movies that really it was just meant to like gross you out yeah um and for this movie i feel like it was really the first horror movie that really tried to scare you in a mental and psychological way Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because they they call back to psycho Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the movies that made us and they talk about how psycho was a really big like inspiration for this movie for the creators and it's so cool that the lead in psycho is jamie lee curtis's mom and so it's just these two like generational horror movies that are just completely like they just change the landscape of what we Mm -hmm. see as horror and it became also 
a genre that was more mainstream because it used to be kind of things that you would watch either at like a drive-in or like a shady movie theater and people wouldn't really watch it and you know your parents wouldn't let you watch Mm -hmm. it and then this really blew up and it made mainstream horror really a thing Mm -hmm. yeah well let's talk about jamie lee curtis because she is such an amazing final girl you know as you mentioned her mom janet lee played the lead role in psycho and i had no idea that jamie lee curtis was 19 when she filmed this movie she's just a little baby jamie curt lee curtis and i love her so much oh my gosh she's She's great. great yeah she um actually dressed up as Jamie as like Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee oh Curtis one year for mm-hmm. Halloween, and I was Michael Myers. So. Oh, that's <laughs> perfect. Jamie Lee is very special in our hearts, and I think she is in our minds like the final girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And yeah. I mean, she went on to be in so much more horror movies after this. Was this her first mm-hmm. horror movie? I think this was her second movie ever. Okay. And yes, oh, her okay. first horror movie. Yeah. 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 It's, she, it's really like cemented her as the final girl. And I think like people like talk about nepotism, whatever. I think nepotism aside, like Curtis cast as Lori like was so fitting because she really embodied the role um, in a way that I think was relatable and also sympathetic to audiences. And it really mm-hmm. endeared people to want her to survive in the end not like you don't want the others to survive but you know she definitely has that presence oh absolutely I think my favorite thing about her is that she feels like she's not overplayed as like the good girl because Mm -hmm. she is a good girl for sure and she's responsible and she's a good student but there is a scene that I love where she's smoking weed in the car Mm -hmm. with her friend and it really like makes her real Mm -hmm. because it's like she's not perfect and she's not like you know and I think that's what I really appreciate is that they did give little touches of being a real teenage girl I was gonna excuse me I was gonna say like in that same scene where she's smoking weed we also find out that she has a little crush at school yeah and it was like kind of cool because her other friends you know are they're like kind of at the opposite spectrum you know of her and I think it was cool to kind of see like she's just a regular girl Mm -hmm. like we kind of at first think she's just like this little bookworm you know she doesn't do anything she doesn't go out and then it's Mm -hmm. like she's smoking weed she has a little crush like she (laughs) she's a real person like Mm -hmm. she's not just a little like homebody and so I think once that scene happens the timing of that scene and the pacing of the rest of the movie really sets up for a really good final girl because it's like now we're invested because we see a little bit of a real side to her. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that's kind of also when shit starts to hit the fan. And so I feel like it kind of makes sense, you know, the timing and how they Absolutely. wrote that is so smart. And I love yeah. too that um, Deborah Hill, who is the producer and co-writer for this movie, um, she wrote all the scenes between yeah. the teenage girls. Mm-hmm. And so I think it really does stand out because so much of that, era and honestly like still up until like the 2000s and even now horror movies were very misogynistic Mm -hmm. it was a lot about female exploitation and although there are like hints of that within this movie because you do see boobs and you Mm -hmm. you know you get the kind of weird scenes but having that dialogue be written by a woman Mm -hmm. I think makes 
their characters of these three teenage girls so much more real than yeah. any other representation of teenagers at that time in horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think like that's not to say that men can't write for women because I think it's definitely possible, but you can totally tell when a man has written in a lot of cases you can totally tell when a man has written script and dialogue for women it's like this is not how women would talk to each other Mm -hmm, right ever and this definitely feels relatable like I'm sure there are definitely friend groups where there's the one who's a little bit more timid and then there's the one that's way more outgoing and yeah like it really cemented even though like there's a trope of final girl that kind of like set forth since this movie um the movie like really dives into that a lot with within uh laurie herself and like the final girl energy of like what does it mean to be a final girl and the tropes of virginity being a virgin or like you know being um purity culture what and what have you even like how she dresses Mm -hmm. where she has like sweaters and like Mm -hmm. um lawn stockings and like her mary jane shoes versus (laughs) like you know how linda and annie dress and how they talk it just really um i think set a precedent for final girls moving forward and like that Mm -hmm. trope's been upended with movies like scream and and so on and so forth but halloween really set the standard i feel like mm-hmm. no i absolutely agree and i think what is also special about like jamie lee curtis in this movie is her ability to i guess that's like a like a maternal or like a warm mm. feeling where when she's actually like babysitting and she's with those kids mm-hmm you feel like she would literally do anything for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, when she does kind of chuck them in a room and say like, I'm going to go after him and I'm going to figure this out. Like mm-hmm. you believe her and it's not this like, no one would do that. Like, right. you know, you're not like not believing that she would actually like sacrifice herself for these kids because it really does feel like she cares about them and she loves them. And I think that's set up right at the beginning when she has that scene mm-hmm. walking with Tommy Mm-hmm. And he's being an annoying little kid. He's like, why are you doing this? Why are you going to the Myers house? Why are you? And she just has like the patience of a saint mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. And it's just so sweet. And, you know, they could have made her a teenager that would roll her eyes at the kid and like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so annoyed that I have to be babysitting on Halloween night. And if they had done that, her stepping up at the end would have been so much less believable. Mm-hmm. Because we get this kind of built relationship between her and Tommy and, you know, it it just feels real. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. Um, Even like the way that she babysits versus the way like say Annie babysits Mm -hmm. when we see. Yeah. You know, Lori has like activities planned. Like (laughs) we're going to do a jack-o'-lantern. We're going to watch a scary movie. We're going to make popcorn. Mm -hmm. And Annie's just like, um, I can't, what's the little girl's name that she's watching? Lindsay. 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 Mm-hmm. She's just like, Lindsay. Like yeah. every single time. She's like, the dog's barking again. Lindsay. Paul's calling me. Um, yeah. yeah. She's got like mad at Lindsay for not rescuing her sooner from the laundry yeah. room. Yeah. Come on, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Definitely. Um, well, I want to go back to the beginning of the movie a little bit and yeah. talk about that opening scene, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the most iconic openings in horror movie history. Absolutely. And the way that they portray um, perspective, right? So, like, mm-hmm. 
it opens, you know, we see the title um, card come up. It's Haddonfield, Illinois, 1963, Halloween night. So we know what we're set to, to watch, but it's like all first person camera view. So it's like we're almost seeing it. We are literally seeing it from the killer's perspective mm-hmm. and like the way that it pans up to the house, looks around, sees the sister making out with someone um, they go upstairs and it just follows that view like the literally the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's spoiled for me now because like I know it's Michael Myers, but I feel like at the time mm-hmm. it was probably such a big reveal that like, oh, my God, this is a little kid, mm-hmm. not just some like random man on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love that they basically that scene of being a, a like a one shot the way yeah. that they created that sense of movement and like it was almost like a like a timed out play almost mm-hmm. like everyone was in their place at every time and what's super interesting about that scene was that that was actually the last scene they shot for the entire wow. film um and it's also one of the reasons why like Halloween is so iconic is that it's the basically they, they consider it the second movie to ever use a steady cam. Yeah. And so for that scene at that time, if you think about it for us watching it now, it doesn't seem like that special mm-hmm. because we've seen so many steady cam shots like throughout film now. Yeah. But for the people at that time, putting yourself in a theater in 1978, watching that scene it literally was a brand new one of a kind concept. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's so cool to think about. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And I think like kind of going back to what you said, Claire, about, you know, originally before you know who it is, you kind of get a sense that it is possibly a man. Like it's, you're not, you know, your brain doesn't automatically think this is a little kid. And I think when you first see his hand reach out, and grab the knife is when you know and it's like in a little clown costume it's like we see that it's a little boy's hand yeah and it's like oh shit like what's about to happen yeah yeah. (laughs) like this is this is different this is not what we expected and then you know just the build up every to everything after you know once he grabs a knife is just like Mm -hmm. creepier and creepier once you know it's a little boy yeah 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 and i think too like his sister obviously recognizes who he is even before we know that mm-hmm. it's his sister she goes michael mm-hmm. and like then, uh-huh. <laughs> you know he stabs and kills her um right. and <laughs> that happens so yeah i mean yeah, yeah the, i was reading up about like the use of the study cam and how like mm-hmm. it was this relatively new technology at the time mm-hmm. and um it helped them to create this opening scene in a relatively short amount of time like in Mm -hmm. a day or two i think is how maybe not even two days um but it really helped them to keep costs down and like Mm -hmm. there was like a whole bunch i was reading about with like how much they actually spent to make this movie Mm -hmm. and it was three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars from what i read Mm -hmm. and with inflation now that would be 1.5 million which wow i mean anytime i hear a movie budget i'm like that sounds so much but like it's such a micro budget to make a movie nowadays yeah 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 it's really impressive too that if you watch even just the credits there's (laughs) there's one name that you'll see popping up like over and over and over again and that's tommy wallace Mm-hmm. And it's, he was like the production designer. He was the editor. He was like, I think sound design, maybe. I don't know. But he 
all this crew that John Carpenter like assembled, mm-hmm. they were basically all just like friends from USC that all oh, got wow. together and like they were mm-hmm. the roommate of this person. This the costume mm-hmm. one was the roommate of this girl, and that girl was married to Tommy Wallace, and mm-hmm. it was so interesting watching that movies that made us because I went to film school and there's just this like bond that you have with people that you go to film school with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they all studied film together at USC, but I know, you know, obviously they all were interested in film and it's like a film major's dream to graduate and make an actual movie with your friends Mm -hmm. and like have it be like a big movie. And that's what they did. Like Mm -hmm. that's what they accomplished. And one of the reasons why they were able to keep costs so low was because they basically did not pay the crew because it was a bunch of friends yeah. making a movie together. And there were some people that were like, hey, I just like kind of want to be involved. Can I show up? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> like, come on board. Yeah. And that's actually how Michael Myers was cast, which was a friend of theirs showed up and was like, I just want to be there. Can I join you guys? And when they were trying to figure out who would play Michael Myers, they were watching him walk. And I guess his dad was a dancer. And so he has this like kind of like tall, like holds his shoulders up and he had this gait and they were like, wait a second. (laughs) That's our Michael. That's our Michael. (laughs) Yeah, that's him. And so like just that whole concept of, you know, stretching your budget Mm-hmm. Where basically mm-hmm. all the budget went into like the camera, the film, and the lighting, and mm-hmm. paying Donald Pleasant, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I love that like community aspect of making mm-hmm. a film, and when it feels like you're working together with your friends to make a movie, and you don't know how it's gonna go, you're just doing it and putting the you know pieces together and like being scrappy with what you can get by, and mm-hmm. it just goes to show that like you don't need a huge budget to make a really amazing movie, and I feel like that all the time, especially with like I love Marvel movies, but like their budgets are completely wild and like they don't always like yeah. pan out great, especially yeah. lately. But like mm. I love the um. Like I said, the scrappiness of making this movie. Like I loved hearing about how they developed the mask for mm-hmm. Michael Myers. And it's like a William Shatner mask <laughs> from Star Trek. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. And they bought it for just a dollar at some like, you know, costume shop and then yeah. paint, spray painted it at white, took the sideburns off and then cut the eye holes bigger. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, here's our mask. And it only costs a dollar to make. Mm-hmm. And I think their original plan was to do a clown theme because yeah. he was you know a clown as a as a little kid and I feel like it would have obviously people are scared of clowns and clowns are creepy and I get that but I feel like that um what they were going for of Michael just being kind of like the personification of evil mm-hmm. is so much more um visceral when it's not like a specific looking person or thing mm-hmm. it's like basically like a blank slate which you know, having the jumpsuit and having that just like painted mask with no facial features mm-hmm. or anything, um, mm-hmm. they really accomplished what they were setting out to do, which was creating this like embodiment of evil mm-hmm. and not necessarily like a psycho masked killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. mask is what makes him scary, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in addition to other things, but that's what terrifies me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, Caitlin literally will not let me take my Michael Myers mask out of the closet unless I'm actively, 
Jurassic oh Michael Myers. You should have come to the episode wearing that mask. Wearing it. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> higher time. Look, I was gonna have Michael Myers right here in studio. I just sit there and like cock my head to the side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are your I don't say anything. Yep. Or like, I just do that. <laughs> <laughs> heavy, heavy breathing. Yes. I love it. Uh, well, I do want to talk about Michael Myers and yeah. why he is so scary. Because I think there's so much sure. more than just the mask that we can dive into. And you already mentioned Loomis, like, says he is pure evil. Mm. Um, and it's really, like, set up from the beginning when we obviously see what Michael did, but then introducing Loomis and Loomis's relationship with Michael Myers mm-hmm. and the way that Loomis talks about him as an it instead of a he mm-hmm. and the nurse that he's talking to when uh, they're in the car together. I can't remember what she says exactly. Um, you probably know better than I do, but he goes, if you say so. And I can't remember. It, it was in context to like um, mm-hmm. Michael Myers in general, but like Loomis like... N- is pretty much the only one in the movie who identifies who Michael is and know what Michael is capable of and nobody else. Everybody else thinks he's in a catatonic state. He can't do any harm, um, but he's really just waiting for the right moment to strike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, that scene with the nurse is also probably one of the most like atmospheric, like scary scenes because mm-hmm. we get that shot of like all of the people just wandering around like in the dark, yeah, which sets itself up as like, you know, what, what the hell is going on mm-hmm. right now? <laughs> um, and I think the presentation of Michael, it takes a while for the audience to really get what Loomis is putting down because obviously we don't see him, fully in his like Michael Myers state you know actually like lurking until we see him in the bushes um you know following Laurie and like it's standing out in the laundry Mm -hmm. and I think when you see him kind of like cat jump onto the roof and like kind of crawl around (laughs) it's a little it's a little less um Michael E than we think of in like the rest of the movie Uh you know he walks so slowly and he's so like menacing And I kind of like that, though, because I feel like Michael's chaos in that scene where he's just like smashing windows and, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's interesting, too, that he does not kill the nurse. He just rips her out of the car. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, you know, he's on this revenge tour, basically, where he just wants to get to Haddonfield Mm -hmm. and he's not planning on killing like he could technically kill all the wandering inmates Mm -hmm. that are around you know he could kill Loomis if he wanted to in that moment but it's just interesting that he's just like you know what let me get out of here I'm going to Haddonfield Mm -hmm. yeah let me go let me go tear up Haddonfield on on Halloween (laughs) yeah Yeah, definitely I think like the thing for me with Michael Myers is that and this is probably why definitely why he's more sinister and then a lot of the other um you know serial killers who or and characters in slasher films um who've come before or will come after is that he really kill seems to kill without reason especially in this <laughs> original um iteration of it and um i also love like there's a reference to the thing uh, that we see later on is like one of the scary movies that 
uh, Lori is watching with the kids when she's mm-hmm. babysitting. And the thing, to, which is also like another John Carpenter reference, because he will then like later after this movie direct a remake of the thing mm-hmm. from like the 1950s. Yeah. Um, but it's like a very similar character and to what Michael Myers is mm-hmm. and the way that they've set up the roles of Michael Myers since this movie, it's like expanded even more, but I feel like this movie set the precedent for who Michael Myers is and what he's capable of. Like he always wears that mask mm-hmm. and he never speaks or he just like grunts or, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, and it was just so different to like others in the horror genre where like ghost faced, you know, like calls mm-hmm. and taunts mm-hmm. Sidney Prescott all the time. Freddy Krueger is very foul. Um, <laughs> yes, he is. Um, and the other thing, like you mentioned, he always walks. He never runs, mm-hmm. which makes it even scarier because it's mm-hmm. like he knows he's going to get you just by walking. Like he doesn't even have to exert himself that much. Yeah. Have you seen the TikTok trend where it's like, could you get inside the house with Michael Myers walking <laughs> after you? And it's basically like locking your door with keys and then having your friend walk up behind no. you as Michael Myers. It, it, people are like panicking, even though it's their friend. It's still like, oh, my God. <laughs> It would scare the shit out of me. Yeah. Right. I think like that's part of like what is what makes Michael so scary is like his cockiness. Like he and he's cocky without even like you said, without even saying anything or really doing anything because he really doesn't do anything besides walk and kill people. Mm -hmm. So like he has no other real like mannerisms. He has his really only form of communication like you said is heavy breathing or grunting or like turning his head to this one side or the other like Mm -hmm. he has no like large gestures but he somehow still just comes across as like one of the cockiest people I've ever seen (laughs) because it's just like how he stands and walks is just like I can kill everyone in this whole entire place Mm -hmm. and it's like he carries this presence about him and it's like that is what's so terrifying to me is like he couldn't give two shits about anyone and you can tell that through just how he walks and moves Mm -hmm. which is so crazy to me that they were able to accomplish that in like such little performance from him Mm -hmm. you know what I mean they there really wasn't much for him to do besides show up and walk around yeah and just be a big person in a track in a jumpsuit yeah so it's I think it's just so crazy that they were able to accomplish such a menacing character who doesn't speak, who doesn't really act. I wouldn't even say I would and I would qualify as acting. And I would say like he's still known to this day as like the slasher. Like he yeah. is the killer. And you know, we do have those like iconic people like Leatherface and Ghostface and you know, all these other you know, Freddie, Jason, all of those people who are also iconic, but we just really get this like icon in Michael. Like he is, he is Halloween. He is the slasher. He is. Um, and I think that's so interesting because they, you know, posed him as like the, the shadow, the, mm, yeah. the figure, the, you know? And so I also just love the scene that really, I think Michael's like best scene in the entire movie where he is just quintessential Michael is also the scene where I guess when they were filming it, they watched the dailies back and they were like, oh shit, we have a movie here. (laughs) And that's after he kills Bob and he's looking at Bob and you see Bob's body up on the wall and Michael's just, yeah, 
doing that. Observing. There's no, there's no words. Mm-hmm. There's no actions. He's just tilting his head and looking at it and admiring his kill, basically. Mm-hmm. And almost just like, I don't know, like observing it. It's not <laughs> even that he's admiring it. He's like observing right, yeah. it in a way. Like he's just like, you know. And I think that's sort of like what sets him apart from the other killers like we were talking about because I feel like Freddy Krueger and um, Ghostface and some of those other ones like they have like a little bit of a sense of humor mm-hmm. like it's like a dark sense of humor but like they say things that are kind of funny or like you know kind of joking around and like nothing about Michael is a joke Mm-mm. like Mm-mm. he is not here to play around like he's like <laughs> Michael he's, means business. <laughs> he does not have a sense of humor like it's literally like no thoughts just kills like it's like yeah. there's no there's nothing else up there in his brain Mm-hmm. besides no. wanting to kill people yeah and i think that's more terrifying than just like a random person in a ghost mask who calls people and pranks them and like stabs yeah. them in their house yeah. that's also terrifying but mm-hmm. it's like i feel like the scream franchise has a lot of humor breaks mm-hmm. and i feel yeah. like you know even the friday the 13th stuff has a lot of kind of like humor and you know kind of woven throughout and like halloween is like this isn't funny like mm-hmm. we are not serious yeah like, no. this is serious we are just killing people and like yeah menacing this entire town and also usually in like other slashers there is a more direct motive that mm-hmm. we find out in kind of like i always call it like the unpacking scene mm-hmm. which is like the scene at the end of a horror movie where like you find out why the slasher was doing what they were doing. Yeah. Sometimes there's an awful monologue if it's a bad mm, horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's a great monologue like Scream where they're in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, whether we talk about like Friday the 13th with, you know, I won't spoil who Jason is in the first movie if people right. haven't seen it yet. But there's like a motive behind Jason in the in the original and there's a motive with Ghostface mm-hmm. in every movie. And there's a motive with Freddy where Michael, there's not really a motive because his family's gone, <laughs> you know, from what we know in the original. And so he's just coming back to his hometown mm-hmm. and he, you know, Lori just happens to be the person that walks up with the key and threatens his house. Mm-hmm. And he sees her and he's like, all right, that's my mm-hmm. target. There's no thought, there's no rhyme, there's no reason. And that's what makes him so absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's why the first one is so successful because Michael Myers kills indiscriminately. So we think in the first one and it's not until subsequent films that more motives like come to light. Like in Halloween Mm -hmm. 2, the reveal of Lori Bead, Myers' sister. Oh, spoiler if no one's, but that's like feels (laughs) like people know that. Um, Yeah. Um, there's like others that I was reading about when I was diving into the history of Halloween movies about motive and like, it gets even more into like Michael Myers possibly being possessed and like Mm -hmm. being, um, uh, a body that is like demonic thing is using to like Mm. create sacrifices on Halloween. It like really gets into it a lot more. And I read that it really robs. (laughs) Yeah. It, like, robs him a little bit of the mystery and menace. Yep. I wasn't sure, like, since you've seen this all, since you've seen all the movies, like, how you felt mm-hmm. about the sister, Lori's sister of it all. If you liked that, if you didn't, like, if you liked mm-hmm. that it was retconned recently, how did you feel about it? So, I, 
I don't think it was a hundred percent necessary. I think yeah. um he maybe was a little bit forced into doing that, I feel. I don't know the, yeah. the full like history behind, you know, their decision to do to I know that like like you said, he wanted to do an anthology series and he eventually did with three, but because Halloween one was so successful, basically like everyone was just like, we need to see two. Like mm-hmm. we need a, a second Michael Myers movie. And I feel like they had to kind of add that reveal to almost have a reason for a second movie. Um, And so I feel like that wasn't a thousand percent necessary, but I will say that, you know, H2O is one of my favorite um, sequels that comes after that. And that ties into that storyline. I would say that like, I appreciate H2O more than I appreciate like the, 2018 and later yeah. trilogy mm-hmm. i appreciate if they ended on h2o i you know obviously i like michael myers and i love him but <laughs> um i really did not i will say appreciate um halloween ends because i felt like michael's entire character was botched in every way shape and form yeah in ends i think there was something really disappointing about them having him age and become mm-hmm. an old man, mm-hmm. which like, I understand that he, you know, is he a is human aging. person. He yeah. is aging. Yeah. But also like, he's been shot. He's been stabbed. He's been hit by a car. He's been decapitated. Like in yeah. all of these movies <laughs> and he's still alive. And now you're trying to make us believe that he's an old man in a cave. Mm-hmm. Like, who mm-hmm. needs help it's to a get your choice? Yeah, that was the really problem for me. Yeah. yeah, was like we, my husband and I were both like Michael Myers does not need anybody's help to do no. that shit. Mm-hmm. Like he will wreck your shit on his own. He's fully, yeah. and that like is the mystery of it, right? Like exactly, he seems like this immortal thing that can can't be killed, but he's also just a man. So mm-hmm. how is this possible? And I feel like it 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 robs it. And then if what is the boy's name? in halloween ends. oh god i couldn't tell you <laughs> whoever the boy is that ends up helping him um i thought he was a really good actor i thought that, yeah. that was kind of like the upside of of halloween ends as i thought he gave a really good performance mm-hmm. we both agreed that if they had made that exact movie sans michael and laurie yeah. it probably would have been a good movie mm-hmm. yeah. about you know a boy being accused of something he didn't do a whole town turning on him and him seeking revenge and, you know, following this dark path. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great movie. Mm-hmm. It was not a Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah. And to totally. end the series, quote unquote, because we know there will probably be more. They're never going to. Yeah. They're never going <laughs> to. <No. laughs> um, to end Halloween in a movie that's not about Lori and that's not about Michael mm-hmm. is a slap in the face, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, and so that one I think is more upsetting to me than like finding out that Lori is related to Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't think that it was a necessary tie-in at all, but I don't see it as like a bad thing. Like I don't right. see it as something that they like shouldn't have done, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think I have a strong feeling about it one way or the other, especially because me like either. I'm new to the franchise a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love that Jamie Lee Curtis um, was keeps like coming back in these different iterations. Yeah. 
that's my favorite thing about her <laughs> is that like you know she obviously has had so many roles since then you know and now she's won an oscar and i genuinely think that if they like brought her back she would probably be like yeah let's do it again mm-hmm. like let's run it back let's do a new version and i just love her appreciation for that movie and for the character of michael her social media is always she's always posting stuff with like her and michael myers yeah <laughs> and i feel like she doesn't see it as like this old bad film that i was in yeah that, you know like hush hush i'm a, I'm a better actor than that now yeah. you know she really appreciates it and mm-hmm. it's like you know that's where i started and i'm you know i love this character she loves Lori. She does love Lori. I was going to say, I feel like she really leans into the Lori thing. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's just, it must be for her so cool to have been a part of that at 19, you know, her second movie ever. And to have been a part of something that they probably never imagined would be this big and be yeah. this impactful of a film this many years later. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that like is probably like a core memory for her and everyone who made the film. But I mean, especially for her because she was so young. So her second movie and it's like, she got to continue to come back and be a part of it. And I think there, you can just tell that there was magic in that casting crew because Mm -hmm. it just shows in the movie. It speaks for itself, but it's also just like, why would they keep coming back to make more if there wasn't, you know, if that magic wasn't there. So I think that's super cool to see her just, like you said, it's like, she's never once carried this air about her. Like she's better than Halloween. Like she's, she owns it and embraces it. Yeah, definitely. I think like it also helps that the movie was so successful Mm -hmm. too. Like I think about others and like, Nev Campbell obviously like always came back mm-hmm. at least still until recently with the screams but like I think about Jennifer Aniston being in like the first Leprechaun movie mm-hmm. and that I don't think she like likes to acknowledge that she was ever associated with that which is like <laughs> yeah you know what like I don't sure, blame her <laughs> I don't blame her for that either but also like I feel like you could just own like own it too mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. feel like you know it so that's why I think it helps that Halloween was definitely a success and that's mm-hmm. why Jamie Lee Curtis is down to keep coming back because she yeah. probably had a blast like filming that movie and yeah. and subsequent ones too and it's like always down to to be uh Lori for sure I will say um, that the the one thing that I do appreciate about the Halloween uh trilogy from recently that H2O kind of strayed from, I felt, was I liked the representation of Lori in this trilogy more than mm-hmm. I liked the representation mm-hmm. of Lori in H2O because her PTSD is representative, is represented in H2O as alcoholism and paranoia. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just very, she's kind of a little bit whiny she's overprotective of josh hartnett's character she's you know she's an alcoholic and so they kind of they didn't like ruin her character by any means like i still love that movie but i felt like the representation of laurie as this like i'm gonna live in a fortress in the woods Mm -hmm. and like shoot my little mannequins every day Mm -hmm. and have this like thing in my house where i can like trap him eventually I thought that was such a cool mm-hmm. representation of her and like how her PTSD, you know, develops. And I really do appreciate the Lori in, in the new series, even yeah. though I don't really think that 
Um, I hate her daughter. I, I cannot stand her daughter in the new series. <laughs> I I delete her character completely. Yeah. But um, I really do like Lori in the, in the new series. I mm-hmm. thought I thought they did a good job with her, and that part of it is just Jamie Lee Curtis knowing who Lori is. You know, yeah. she is Lori. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I like I said, I haven't seen the new ones, but I've seen the trailers and she is a total badass mm-hmm. in the newer mm-hmm. ones. Just so different from her experience in the first one where, yeah. but she's still a survival or survivalist and a survivor in this one too. And she finds mm-hmm. ways to defeat Michael Myers as best as she can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, there are scenes though where you're like, Lori, come on, like... <laughs> When she stabs him in the neck and he falls over and she has the knife like right there. With oh, and her. she just tosses it. And she just like throws it to the <laughs> side. You're like, come on, Lori, like just stab him. Yeah. Right. Um, you yeah. know, but I think it is, you know, she does do whatever she can um to outsmart him also when she opens up the back window and go- goes in the closet so it looks like she went out yeah. the window. Mm-hmm. We get that Lori in the new ones where she's like mentally mm. thinking, like, how can I trap him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that, you know, they show her in that classroom scene, mm-hmm. immediately having the answer to her teacher's question, even though she was like disassociating yeah. right beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, they really set it up that this is an incredibly intelligent person mm-hmm. and her final girl appeal is that she's not dumb and she's mm-hmm. not yeah. just like running and she's not just like oh my god you what know I'm, you? This, I'm this pure virgin who who won't get killed and you know i won't mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and i think you know watching her kind of try to outthink him and outsmart mm-hmm. him is in this original it's in two for sure mm-hmm. and it's also in the in the new ones which i think is the one the one really good i will say upside of the new ones even if i don't necessarily love them yeah um, I want to get into a little bit about like what the movie says regarding like the virginity and like sexual mm-hmm. sexuality because there's like a, so much you can dive into as like yeah. far as think pieces go with it. So I want to talk about that, and then we can maybe get into some of the kills and then the ending um, yeah. as a whole. But like, I think with the way that like Michael Myers is supposed to represent these like. I guess ideals of like sexuality in a way is very interesting to me. And I read up on how like there's kind of like two main thoughts of what he could represent. I think the most mainstream like popular one is that he's this harbinger of punishment, right. For people Mm -hmm. who commit quote unquote sin. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's that aspect of it, but then there's also another argument of like Michael Myers and like how he is dealing with like repressed sexuality himself and that's why he lashes out and so I feel like there's so much that you can dive into Mm -hmm. um even beyond like what this movie is into Mm -hmm. the sex of it all and culturally too like at the time when you think about when this movie came out the sexual revolution was coming to an end and like Reagan era Mm -hmm. was picking up so there's just so much to like deep dive into Mm mm-hmm yeah, do you do you have anything to touch on with that? Yeah, I, I think I think that both of those schools of thought are really interesting, and I yeah. think I don't know if it's like one or or if it's both and because I mm-hmm. think like I think there's definitely like you said the harbinger of punishment. You know, I think that that is definitely pretty apparent in this film because it's like all kids who are just like out here 
you know, screwing around and doing yeah. stuff. And like, it's like, I don't know if it's that like Michael's pissed because he didn't get to do those things or if it's like he sees those things as bad. And it's mm-hmm. like that part is kind of, cause it's like, we have to kind of figure all these things out because mm-hmm. no one's telling us Michael isn't telling us. So it's like, you know, are we just kind of, you know, just figuring it out as we go or what's the deal. And I think, you know, there are a lot of like overtly sexual <laughs> things about this film. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, I think it definitely because of the time when it came out and what was going on culturally, the sexual you know revolution, like you said, kind of coming to an end. I think it was like just how things are now in our society. It's like when things are coming to an end, they're still very much a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think I think that was very apparent in this film that that was still like, there are parts of it to me that almost felt like, like borderline, like soft core porn ish. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's a little, it's just like a yeah, little, we were, we were watching it with the windows open. Cause it was a really nice day. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> people are walking past our apartment right now. I wonder what they're thinking. Cause right? there's some interesting, a lot of noises, a yeah. lot of <laughs> just a lot of grunting and moaning. Yeah, and- yeah. Yeah. And it's just like very interesting. And so I think, I think it's very interesting to think about Michael also be, be like dealing with sexual repression because mm-hmm. it's like, we don't really think about him as a person, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's sort of like, well, maybe he is like just a lonely dude in there. Like maybe there is something, you know, I think thinking about him as being sexually repressed leads us to think about him more as a human. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. think, you know, that part is interesting because Generally speaking, we don't really think about him as a human being. Like yeah. we just kind yeah. of think him think of him as this figure. Like an entity. Yeah. 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 I will say that the one interesting thing about Michael that is present throughout, you know, every single Halloween movie is that he never kills a child. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there is a very poignant scene in uh Halloween twenty eighteen where he hovers over a baby's crib and the audience thinks, oh my God, are they really going to like ruin Michael's character right now? Because, mm. you know, if he kills a kid, that goes against everything that we know as as Michael. And obviously he kills his kid's family, but he leaves the baby. Mm-hmm. And so there is definitely, with that knowledge of him always leaving the kids alone, is that sense of like punishment and like delivering mm-hmm. punishment on whether or not, you know, teenagers aren't adults, obviously, but they're like sexual beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like he just has this, I want to say that in my mind, it's more of like a, not like a, a you know, repressed sexuality or something like that. In my mind, it's almost like a association with his sister and mm-hmm. I think that like he saw his sister originally as a little boy as like, I have to kill her. Like she is bad. This is bad. Mm-hmm. And his yeah. last experience with her before he kills her is her having sex with her boyfriend and be naked. And so I think that in his brain, he's just locked into, yeah. I want to kill my sister and I want to kill that the boyfriend which obviously he doesn't kill the boyfriend you know leaving but i feel like 
in my mind, that's kind of more how I see it is like mm. him really locking into, you know, wanting to kill for that purpose. However, he also kills for necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like killing the, uh, the maintenance or not maintenance worker, but the auto worker that he steals right. the car and the, um, or his jumpsuit from, um, so I think he also kills out of just pure necessity and, uh, and you know, there's somebody there and I'm going to kill them because mm-hmm. he is evil. Um, but I don't necessarily see it as like, he's this, you know, dark angel of anti-sex. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's a great, yeah. yeah. That's like the great thing about this movie is like, you can interpret it any number of ways. And I think mm-hmm. like any, any of these could be true, right? Like, yeah, he could be punishing these teenagers because mm-hmm. they're not inhabiting traditional gender roles and they're having premarital sex. Yeah. Um, and he's punishing them, right? Or he could, and or he could also be having some um, feelings deep within, based on the fact that he killed his sister, and combined with the fact that it happened right after she had sex. So he's dealing with that internally mm-hmm. as well. And I think like the act of stabbing itself is a very like you know intimate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm kind of kill it's very penetrative and so there's there's a lot going on like psychologically with mm-hmm. michael myers that i'm not qualified to dive <laughs> into on this episode i just think it's an interesting discussion yeah. and it's also interesting when you think about Lori too because as we mentioned like she's not the perfect pure girl like she mm-hmm. does have these thoughts and you could even I think say that Lori is a little repressed herself because yeah. she wants to like ask a boy to the dance and she mm-hmm. wants to like have those nights where she has a boy come over but she doesn't do it mm-hmm. um, and so I think in that way too like the reason potentially like why Lori survives it could be because she's I hate saying like pure because like mm-hmm. whatever but right. like quote unquote pure mm-hmm. um it could be that or it could be because be because she and Michael Myers are kind of similar in that aspect where they're both like dealing with a little bit of mm-hmm. repression whatever with their sexuality yeah and I do think it is interesting though that whenever people dive into final girls and then being virgins and how they survive if you think about it that takes the motive out of the killer yeah that to be the motive and it puts it more on like the filmmaker because the killer is trying to kill the final girl he wants to Mm -hmm. kill her Mm -hmm. and so you know technically speaking laurie has not done anything wrong um and yet michael wants to kill her more than anybody else Mm -hmm. and so you know if we do look at that as kind of like a motive of like you know punishing the sexual and you know Mm -hmm. all of that that almost is more of like at that time like where the filmmaker is dealing with like (laughs) their own issues yeah Yeah. you know what I mean like and and I don't see it as much as like Michael is focused on that Mm -hmm. and I see it as more of like a cultural or like a topical thing within the film and less of like Michael's actual motive Mm -hmm. yeah I could definitely see that too or in a lot of slashers honestly sure yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's talk about some of these kills. Yeah. We've mentioned them a little bit already, but let's start with Annie, who, mm-hmm. and I feel like the kills like kind of pick up with our kind of supporting cast toward the end. There's definitely others that happen, like we already mentioned. Um, but Annie, I feel like this set the idea of always check 
the back, the back. of your seat yes. before you get in your car mm-hmm. because there might be a killer back there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I highly suggest if no one has seen Urban Legends, <laughs> um, it is a 2000s guilty pleasure horror movie where the opening scene is that check your backseat concept. Yeah. And it is one of the scariest opening scenes. Mm-hmm. I remember when I showed it to you, like you had like actual goosebumps. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of the movie has its like cheesy moments. It's got like Tara Reid is in it. And it's just like, <laughs> it's a train wreck in every way, shape or form. But I love that movie um, mm-hmm. as my guilty pleasure horror movie. And I love that, you know, there has been that, that concept of like check your back seat mm. like in pop culture in mm-hmm. horror and just in like life and mm-hmm. i honestly think that like annie's kill might be the scariest yeah like it, it is it feels very like enclosed and like claustrophobic yeah. and intimate and also him just like popping i was up gonna in the say backseat. i think that is one of like that particular kill is one of the biggest elements of surprise yeah yes um in this movie Mm -hmm. and so and when we watched the uh, movies that made us you know they were talking about having like the audience's eyes being on the right and michael popping up on the left like out Mm -hmm. of the dark Mm -hmm. and you know it is so effective like i mean it's extremely effective because you are just watching her and you're trying to see if she's going to start the car and get out go see her little boyfriend and then here pops michael out of the dark and it's just like oh shit like we did not know that was coming (laughs) yeah and i love also she's oh sorry Go go ahead No, I was, I was just saying, I was just gonna say she was singing her little her little song too, which I, oh, I yeah. can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. When she's in the car too and it's so foggy on the inside mm-hmm. and she's like and she's trying to rub the glass on the front and she's like, What mm-hmm. is going on? I guess my goal is just exudes so much like hot air from his <laughs> mouth breathing that uh, <laughs> I've I've worn the Michael Myers mask. It gets humid in there. <laughs> the car, yeah. yeah. You get it's that like it's it's like sticking to your skin by oh, the end I'm of the sure. night. It's, yeah. it's rough. So Michael's but, suffering under there. <laughs> <laughs> but even like before the car scene, um, when she's in the laundry room, like that's where you think it's gonna happen when she mm-hmm. goes outside and um she has to wash her clothes and then the laundry door keeps well it opens and closes and then locks mm-hmm. and she just like tries to like climb out the window and then you like mm-hmm. see him standing behind her through the window so that was where I was anticipating her getting killed yeah. and like I was already on the edge of my seat so I feel like yep. that's another part that built that tension so like when she goes to the car you're like you know that Michael Myers is around mm-hmm. but not necessarily that he's been able to like get in her car so I feel yeah. like when she gets in her car she's safe but she's not mm-hmm. yeah yeah so good and I also love that that um, starting the car kind of like, you know, going somewhere and like starting the car. Thing, like that is in so many horror movies now where, mm-hmm. you know, even I think recently in like a, there's like a scream scene, I think, in one of the newer screams where it's like, you know, you're going to the car mm-hmm. to start it and somebody's there at your car ready to, to kill you. Yeah. And I think that is just something that especially women like Mm. fear, you know, is is there somebody around my car, like in my car? Um, And so that scene, honestly, like I would say that Annie is my favorite kill in the movie. Um, They obviously like, you know, the the first Judith Myers kill is iconic. But for me, Annie is like the scene that I really like 
this is pure Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I struggle with like, do I like Annie's kill the most or do I like Bob's kill the most? Because mm-hmm. yeah. the fact that he pins Bob to the wall with the yeah. knife is just so clutch mm-hmm. and like such a I don't know it's so great and Mm -hmm. yeah like we talked about how he even like observes Mm -hmm. is observing what he just did but and it also like shows Michael's like brute force and strength Mm -hmm. right like we know that he has that because he's killed these women but this is and he killed the sorry he did kill the driver of the car Um, Mm -hmm. but this is the first time we're getting to see actually see him interact with killing a man and like the way that he hoists him up by his neck and raises him up and then Mm -hmm. just goes pop I'm going to pin you to the wall. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember the first time you saw Mm -hmm. the hollow and the scene of him cocking his head to the side. I remember you just going like, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, it just gives you such a bad feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's just such subtlety. Yeah. But it's such subtlety. Like you said, after such brute force of like us seeing him, like, because up until that point, I mean, his kills, we either hadn't seen them or they were pretty quick and dirty. Yeah, like, they yeah. were pretty quick. They weren't, you know, didn't really require a lot of force mm-hmm. from yeah. what we could see. And so to see him just like pick this dude up, like it's like a can like of it's nothing. Like it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, like it's just yeah, like, like a like, rag doll. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also think that that's the first time that we don't see Loomis as totally being off because mm. you know Loomis is trying to convince every single person he comes across that hey like this this isn't a man mm-hmm. this is evil yeah the evil he calls it the evil mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that's the first time that we see Michael as like a supernatural mm. being that isn't just a man coming back to his hometown to kill people mm-hmm. we see him really as what Loomis is trying to tell everybody like you you guys don't understand like this is evil yeah and I think that yeah. scene is just so representative We're of like Michael. okay yeah we get it Loomis. like Annie's kill yeah. is my favorite kill but <laughs> I think that scene with Bob is like the most iconic like Michael mm-hmm. scene of like who Michael is is that scene yeah I definitely agree, I agree. and I think the funniest if there is going to be one is Linda just of the sheer fact that he puts on a bed sheet and like mm-hmm. puts is it Bob's glasses that he yeah. has mm-hmm. over okay yeah and then he he's just being a little cheeky with it now mm-hmm. he's like yeah. I'm gonna get away with doing a little costume get up but not saying anything to her yeah his little costume appearance his yeah. little Halloween costume <laughs> I guess maybe Michael does have a sense of humor that's Michael's maybe. Sense. that's his sense of humor yeah, that's as far as he'll go. Yeah. That's the, that's the <laughs> limit for yeah. for sure. But yeah, and the fact that like Linda thinks it's Bob and mm-hmm. talks to him like it's Bob, and then like even plays with it, is being playful with him because they just had sex, and so then she's like, "I guess you're not going to talk to me." And she's like, "Well, I'm just going to call, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. call Lori because where's Annie and all of this?" Mm-hmm. And um, then he comes up behind her and uses the. Uh, cord from the Mm -hmm. phone to strangle her to death Mm -hmm. that is such a i mean we don't have landline phones anymore really but like the way that they weaponized the landline phone was so (laughs) cool and that that scene really i think is the number one even more than judith if we're talking about like the sexual element of yeah you know the kills is like not only is her character the most you know like 
I'm a sexual being and I'm just here to, you know, be with my boyfriend and, you know, she's kind of just boy crazy and always Mm -hmm. talking about that. But, you know, she is topless like Judith is topless. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's this kind of like really the, you know, Bob and her kills are really mirrored images of the first kill. Mm -hmm. It's just that he actually got to kill the boyfriend this time. And that's also a theory that I have about Bob's kill is that that's why he looks so intently at Bob is because like, he's finally living out that kind of fantasy that he Mm. has of killing his sister's boyfriend. Um, Cause he kind of really revels in that kill. Mm -hmm. Like he, he really takes a minute. Yeah. He takes a little beat. And I feel like we don't really see him do that with any of the rest of him. I mean, he, that is a cool theory now that you say that because he kind of just kills people and just kind of keeps moving on. And then like with Lori, obviously it's like a big struggle, but Mm -hmm. I think all the rest of them is like, he kills him and then that's it. We are on to the next thing. And like when he killed Bob, it was like, I want to sit in this for a minute and just like appreciate the fact that I finally got to do it. Yeah. It felt felt Mm -hmm. like, like he finally got to relive the moment the way he wanted to do it how originally. he played it out in his head mm-hmm. yeah he's like i made it guys i yeah. made it <laughs> hey look ma i made it yeah <laughs> um but the linda death to me is seems like feels like the most sexual right because Absolutely. she's on the phone with Lori, and right before she can even say anything on the phone he grabs her and strangles her and the noises that she is making i don't know if this is the one that you're talking about with the window open uh-huh, it but was. <laughs> the way that she is like struggling it does sound very sexual mm-hmm. and you know Lori already had the phone call previously with annie um you know when she was at her house where she picked up there was no answer she hung up she answered again and Annie was like why'd you hang up on me so she already that was already set for us way back when and Lori is like thinking it's another prank call of them Mm -hmm. like just messing with her and teasing her a little bit but it's so serious and yeah like the the way the way that Linda amidst these like moans it's just it's very awkward and very sexual I feel like Mm -hmm. yeah it's like overtly sexual like it's not it's not even like like, pretending to be anything else no No. and I think in a in a in a little bit of a way Judith also kind of makes those noises Uh Um, it wasn't quite as like obvious I don't think um but it was definitely something and I think like it was a little bit sexual a little bit sexual but I mean Linda was like very sexual and I was like okay like this is Mm -hmm. something maybe it's like Michael's kink or something yeah I don't know Michael's a freak do you think (laughs) that she thought it was Bob doing it like because she didn't I just realized because she doesn't I don't yeah. know if she saw him before she died when she, cause she does pull the the mm. sheet down. Uh-huh. But I wonder if she thought it was Bob. I feel like wouldn't anyone think that it would be like that yeah, would be your who assumption. Else? I mean, she thought it was him the whole time, you know, yeah. and she thought it was just him messing with her. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. I didn't even scary. think about Ooh. that. Yeah. It's Creepy. always the boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Okay. Yeah, that's that, that's yeah. creepy. That is yeah. I like that. Listeners, let us know. Do you think, what do you, do you think that 
she thought it was him in those mm-hmm. final moments. Yeah. I'm curious for sure. I am too. Um, well, let's talk about the end, the last like 20 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. when Lori goes into the house. And I, this is, even though I hadn't seen Halloween, like I was very similar where I feel like I've seen this moment where mm-hmm. um, yeah. she comes across all of the bodies in the house. Mm-hmm. And also this to me felt like Michael's a little bit artistic because mm-hmm. the way yeah. that he lays Annie on the bed and then has mm-hmm. the um Judith Myers tombstone which was another um mm-hmm. sneaky little thing that they shot earlier when Loomis goes to the cemetery and they find that the um tombstone of Michael Myers sister is missing like and now it appears here mm-hmm. um it was a little bit of an artistic choice mm-hmm. to you know lay her on the bed and have the tombstone be behind her but yeah, then the it's like right at one right after the other where she sees Annie, mm-hmm. she, Paul's body just like swings down uh-huh. from the closet and then she sees Linda in the cabinet and like mm-hmm. the shot of her crying against the wall and you see Michael Myers like slowly coming mm-hmm. out from the shadows. I feel like that like everyone's probably seen that clip yeah. especially. Mm-hmm. There's actually a really good um that clip is obviously iconic in Halloween four, there is a shot that is very similar. That is maybe even scarier. Um, but that idea of him just like menacing in the shadows is just so, Mm -hmm. and, and the white painted mask, um, you know, it's just it, everything about that shot is, is terrifying. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Like it, it makes me feel like, if I was to make a horror movie, mm-hmm. like this is what I would want it to be. And there's a, you know, my second favorite horror movie of all time is the strangers. And they have a scene that is very similar, mm-hmm. very, very similar. And I feel like they must have yoinked it mm-hmm. out of, you know, the Halloween tradition. And that's probably why it's my second favorite movie. Cause it's a very similar, similar concept feel. of, mm-hmm. you know, this menacing, mm-hmm. why are you doing this? You mm-hmm. know, for no other reason. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. like you were home tonight mm-hmm. and, and yeah that's... i was gonna ask that i was like isn't that the one where they ask and then they say because you were home and then that was very much similar to yep. michael myers yep mm-hmm. and i think those types of horror movies where there really isn't a rhyme or reason for what they're doing is so much more terrifying than you know somebody seeking revenge on somebody sure. you know sure mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and i think this ending part two also sets the president for like Michael keep he how he keeps coming back from sub- seemingly being dead like mm-hmm. I think the first few are you could like chalk it up to like maybe the the you know knitting needle didn't go in that far mm-hmm. so maybe that's why or like the other I think iconic scene is when she's in the closet like I feel like that's one that people yeah. have seen a lot where he's trying to like burst through to get her um that one could also be chalked up to like, well, she only stabbed him in the eye with the mm-hmm. with the hanger and she only like stabbed him in the knife like in one spot. So maybe then uh, he's still alive somehow. But then when he gets like shot, I don't mm-hmm. know, six, seven times by Loomis <laughs> and he still gets up like that's really cements it into being like, mm-hmm. oh, this seems like more than just a man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's actually really funny that closet scene. There's a, a interesting tidbit about that. It's the only scene where Michael is played by someone different. And it's actually mm. Tommy Wallace, who was the production designer. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he played Michael in that scene is because they only had one set of closet doors. <laughs> and so he was like, if anybody is going to break these, it's me. Because like, I don't want anybody else to be in trouble if like, mm. yeah. 
so he literally was like, let me play Michael for a second. And he got to do the whole closet scene, um, (laughs) which he loved. But I think one of the most iconic scenes that we've all, you know, grown up seeing in like montages for Halloween or, you know, just like clips online is him sitting up um, in the bedroom. And I love that scene when, you know, she thinks that like she's done it. And the audience probably thinks like, oh my God, this is the end. Like, phew, sigh of relief. And then that straight spine back, oh, yes. the ab strength. Ooh, I know. Oh. <laughs> Michael's been doing his sit-ups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael working been, on his core. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing planks. He's been doing in planks prison. Yeah. in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Michael um, Myers is so multifaceted. He's an artist. He yeah. he does he loves to work out. <laughs> Um, he's got a little humorous side to him. There's so many things, you know, with Michael Myers. He loves to play Dressa. Yeah. 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 He he loves a costume. Yeah. Yeah. He loves costume changes. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. I love it. He's a, he's a connoisseur of so many things, you know? He's had time yeah. to hone his craft, so I guess that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, all he yeah. does is stare out the window in a catatonic state for mm-hmm. the last, like, 15 years. He's got, he's definitely <clears throat> thought through mm-hmm. all of these things that he, oh, if I get out of here one day, these are the yeah. things that I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Now, I am curious. I wanted to ask you, actually, because this is uh, kind of whenever you show somebody Halloween for the first time, this is always the hang up. What do you think of Loomis as a character? Because I've seen, I've shown this to a lot of people and they're always like, what is up with Loomis? I felt for Loomis. I mm-hmm. like really, and it's, it's probably because like, I know who Michael Myers is by the time I'm watching it. So mm-hmm. I know how serious all of this is. And I felt so bad that Loomis is like pleading to all these people, like, listen to me. You're not listening to me. So I really felt for him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, these people he's like onto something he has been following this guy for 15 years he tried to reach out to mm-hmm. him for six years seven years he's just like no there's no like trying to reach out to this guy like yeah. i feel like if you're gonna listen to anyone you should probably <clears throat> listen to the psychologist who has been tied to him um but there were definitely some choices that loomis <laughs> made that i have added to my deflick moments that i'm uh-huh. like <laughs> Uh, Loomis, I feel like you dropped the ball on a few uh-huh. things here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that like his performance is a issue for a lot of people. Um, he's obviously he has the, the evil is God like he <laughs> kind of has that weird delivery to him. Um, a really fun fact about him is that he did not like this movie. Um, really? So, yeah. But isn't he comes back <clears throat> for so many of them, doesn't he? Yeah. He does because he, he, he likes he likes a paycheck. Until he died. Yeah. Yeah. And so he is, uh, he like famously had an interview where he basically called the script like overwritten. He's like, it's overwritten and I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he was drunk for 98% of their shoots. <laughs> and he was, he was a big wino and he would knock down like two bottles of wine before they would start filming. And you oh can God. kind of catch it when you watch it with that knowledge there are some scenes, especially the car scene when mm-hmm. he's with the nurse. Apparently, that's the drunkest he was, like, on set the whole time, was the car scene with <laughs> wow. the nurse. And they had to get it that night because, you know, it was a night shoot and, they, you know, they had to do it. So they filmed it with him anyway. And they said that he had knocked back, like, two or three bottles of wine before they filmed. And you can hear him in the in the car seat. He's kind of, like, slumped over a little bit. And he's like, 
we have to get Michael by. Like, he's just kind of, like, mumbling. He's like, the evil. He is evil. Polar. Like, he's, like, he's, like, taking an Uber home from the bar. But he's going to pick up Michael Myers. But he, um, his, his deliveries on things are a little bit funny. Um, I, and I can agree with people who have seen it who think, you know, his performance is a little wacky. He gets even wackier as, as mm. the sequels go on. Mm-hmm. He is cuckoo kachoo. He's unhinged. Is he, does he drink in all of the... <laughs> Probably. I doubt he stopped <laughs> drinking. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I love Loomis just for, you know, the... Entertainment the, value The entertainment of value of it all and the nostalgia of it all. Yeah. But I also do agree with you that you know, he is kind of trying to be the voice of reason, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, like no one's taking him seriously. And I think part of it is because he's like a little bit of a weird guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's this one scene where he has an interaction with like another doctor there mm-hmm. and the doctor basically is blaming Loomis for what happened Yeah, for him, like getting out. And I think that, you know, Loomis is just kind of, they see him as kind of like this crackpot that doesn't know what he's talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and I think that's really represented in that scene with that doctor where he's just kind of like, well, he's your problem. Go find him. Like, right. <laughs> they don't send like yeah. state police. They don't send mm-hmm. anybody. They're just like, Hey, mm-hmm. Loomis, go find him. Go, go chat with the sheriff and, and try to yeah. get right. him. Right. Oh, I thought I had seen a deleted scene where, cause like when they were, I think they were trying to like put this onto TV and they needed like more airtime to mm. fill in some spots. I thought I had seen a deleted scene where before Michael gets out, Loomis is like advocating for like why he needs like maximum security and like mm. he Michael is being moved to like more minimal security. And so like then that's why like Michael gets out mm. um in the end. And yeah, so then to also have them be blaming Loomis for all of mm-hmm. that when Loomis was trying to warn them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Just makes right. it more frustrating. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely gonna have to go watch that back and see if I can notice <laughs> his like his drunkenness. His little and, drunk, uh, yeah. You can the, tell the, when you watch when you watch it with that knowledge, you can, he slurs his words real bad in some of yeah. the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's it's really funny if you watch it back. <laughs> <laughs> I do love when the kid like the there's like these little mm-hmm. kids who are going up to the house to mm-hmm. like knock on the door, and Loomis is in the bushes and he goes, <laughs> Hey. Yeah, like he like yeah. calls him by name. He's like, "Get your ass out of here!" And then like the kids run away. I thought yes. that was. I was like, "Loomis, you're you're great. I love you, you're silly guy." <laughs> yeah, you silly, you silly yeah. Billy. <laughs> I love uh, maybe uh, maybe Michael Myers got his comedic touch from Loomis after all. That's who he. That's where he learned it from. from. Yeah. Yeah. Loomis, Loomis taught him how to have a sense of humor. I. That's yeah. my fa- my favorite line actually when Loomis. Uh, is talking to the doctor is when the doctor goes, well, he doesn't even need, like, he doesn't even know how to drive a car. And Loomis is like, well, he certainly could drive a car last night. Uh I think it was Loomis was like, is someone giving him lessons? Yeah. (laughs) Driving lessons. And that thought process of like an orderly, like giving Michael driving lessons before like he gets out is really funny. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, is there anything else with um, Halloween that we want to mention before we go into segments? No, I think uh, just my recommendation for everyone is to to watch 
all the Halloweens when you have the chance. Mm. Um, if you want to skip any of them, skip Rob Zombie, skip Resurrection. <laughs> I will never watch Rob Zombie again. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally watched that movie with my eyes closed the entire time. Oh my gosh. And that was when I was, what, 17? And I was at that time, like, not very into horror either. And I feel like it totally turned me off. Oh, so I don't, think yeah. I'll, I don't think I'll ever revisit those. Six gets weird. Six is when they bring in the uh, the Sam Hain, uh, yeah, you know, demon sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know, thing, and it's very strange. But mm-hmm. there is a really iconic kill scene in that movie. Um, well, it's kind of like the aftermath of a kill. Um, the little girl dressed as an angel, mm-hmm. um, and so there are some really good moments in all of them um yeah so i highly suggest watching through all of them it's just you know the og is the og mm-hmm. and yeah. nothing nothing will ever top uh 78 yeah yeah i think i'm definitely gonna give four through six a watch mm-hmm. and see how it goes and then four is incredible each... really okay yeah um spoiler so skip ahead because I know like what happens, but doesn't Lori mm-hmm. die in the first like few minutes? She's already dead. Okay, she's mm-hmm. already dead. Yeah, there yeah. were so many iterations where like she's already dead or like she's. She I had to, I had to on. I had to draw a flow chart for her of yeah. like what <laughs> movies connect to what because like Halloween one and two connect to the rest of them, but four through six don't connect to H two O. And don't connect to resurrection, but does connect doesn't connect to the the next three, like the the modern three. So mm-hmm. one is the only one that connects to the trilogy that we know. Yeah, uh-huh. and so it's just a very it's all over the place, all but over the place. it's all yeah. it's hard to follow. Yeah, it's hard to follow, but <laughs> yeah, it's worth it but, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the first segment is the flick, and I'm going to just go over my Loomis-specific ones because mm-hmm. I have a few, as I mentioned. Um, even though I do love Loomis and in this movie, there were moments where I was like, "Why? what What are you doing, dude? Uh-huh. Um, the first is, why the flick didn't Loomis put the town on alert? Like, yeah. he, like, I feel like that was his biggest flaw and his biggest sin is like, if you think he is as, if Michael Myers is as bad as you say he is, mm-hmm. wouldn't you want everyone to be aware, even if like, yeah, people might be spotting him in the shadows left and right, but like, n- if people knew, then maybe none of this would have happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Like having some type of warning, so instead of just like walking up to the sheriff and be like, hey, he's here. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Could have I had agree some with that. sort of a curfew or something, and yeah, curfew yeah. like put the town on alert, let them mm-hmm. know what's happening. Maybe like people would have been more protected. And I get the argument of like, well, then everyone's gonna see him on the street and mm-hmm. think that they see him. But wouldn't you want more eyes out there mm-hmm. versus yeah. like nobody really knowing that he's even in Haddonfield again? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is true. Um, and then my second Loomis error that I noticed was that how deflect didn't he notice the car was outside the Myers house sooner? And I don't um, know in the timeline of things, like, because it seems like Michael drives behind Annie and Lori mm-hmm. to get to the babysitter house. And then, I, and then I'm like, okay, so then did he drive the car back to the Myers house and then mm-hmm. walk to mm-hmm. the 
the locations are confusing me anyway because it seems like it takes Lori and Annie a long time to like get to the place mm-hmm. but then then Loomis is like only a few blocks down from like yeah. where yeah. where Michael is so that to me I was like hmm I also love at the very end whenever he finds like the houses it's because he sees the car so like you know he is looking for the car he just mm-hmm. doesn't look for it sooner I guess yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it was like right behind him the whole time I was like yeah. dude it's Ooh. right there buddy <laughs> Yeah. Loomis, Loomis was too drunk. He yeah, was, go home, Loomis. You're drunk. Loomis had a few bottles of <laughs> yeah. Pinot and was just ripping. <laughs> totally <laughs> ripping his wine. Uh, cool. Okay. Did you guys have any deflick moments? I do. Um, mine was why deflick? Do the parents just stand there when they discover yeah. Michael at the end? Because like it's funny because he <laughs> they take the mask off and he's standing there with like a bloody knife. And my favorite, my favorite thing about that scene is that the mom like puts her hands in her pockets yes. and she's just like standing there like this. Like, Michael. And if you think about like a mother seeing her child with a, a bloody knife, like my assumption, unless he's like a really fucked up kid and like, right. a, you know, my assumption would be that like someone broke into the house and my kid had to kill them or something like that. Yeah. Right. And I would immediately be like panicking and like, what's, what's going, going on? on? Are you okay? Like <laughs> the scene where they pull back on, on Michael and the parents, they just stand there and look at him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe that's where Michael gets it from. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, like the maybe chill. it runs in the family and maybe they yeah. just all look at each other. <laughs> yeah. She just puts her hand in her pockets and looks at him like, hmm, yeah, interesting. Um, so that that was my wide afflict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a wide afflict moment. Yeah. We already kind of covered my wide afflict moment. Mine was wide afflict are all these girls moaning when they're being killed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we kind of established, I guess, yeah. the reason why they're doing that. But mm-hmm. it was just, it feels, makes me feel very uncomfortable. So yeah. it's just like really unnecessary. Especially the one where, you know, she's getting killed by the phone cord. That one is just like yeah. so overt that you're just like, all right. I was like turning yeah. the volume down because I'm like, I don't want anyone outside <laughs> to hear this. Like, is anyone around? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm watching softcore porn in here. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Um, I have another like unnecessary deflect moment, and it's mm-hmm. why deflect does Annie feel the need to have to strip down to her underwear to <laughs> okay. watch a s- butter? Like I know <laughs> clarified spot. butter is a bitch to get out of your clothes, but like, why are you stripping down to, all like, of her undies? clothes? Yeah, yeah like I had the, I had the same thought. I was like, okay, you. She very specifically says, "I got butter on my shirt." Uh huh. But takes off her shirt and her pants. She's also not wearing a bra, which has also seemed like a choice. Like mm-hmm. when she took off her shirt, there wasn't a I bra. I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, okay, so she now just it's lets, just. Let them fly, yes. free flow in the wind. You so know? it's just a girl in her underwear. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, then she puts on the shirt and the socks. And it's like, okay, all of this is just so like on purpose, like uh-huh. deliberately sexual. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's just like she's like, uh, she's like Linda. Do we yeah, have a robe? <laughs> Can you get a robe? And she never does. No, no. <laughs> Linda's like, fuck you. I'm watching this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um. So du- the other segment that we have mm-hmm. is Dick of the Flick, and I'm very interested to like get your all's thoughts. I do mm-hmm. have Michael Myers on my list, of course, but obviously. I mean, obviously, yeah, he's he's the the one doing he's all the of the dick. kills. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to ask, like, is it strange to give him the dick of the flick? Because there's others, I think, who are on this list, too. We picked um, like two others. Yeah, we picked others for the mm-hmm. dick. But yeah. I think Michael is, like, the the main, he's the main dick. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's, he's he the head honcho of the, of the True. dick. Okay. Pyramid. But yours um i my dick of the flick is actually dicks of the flicks mm-hmm. and it's the little boys who yes. are picking on what the hell is the kid's name oh um, God. Tommy. tommy tommy yes the boys who are bullying it's him lonnie and, making, and his friends lonnie and his friends mm-hmm. um and they make him break his pumpkin i know which also like that was must have been a very soft pumpkin to just yeah break like that like i don't under think the impact, that much. i was gonna say under the impact of like a six-year-old boy yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> which they only had one take of that because um mm, they filmed only one this pumpkin. they only yeah one they pumpkin. filmed it in the spring in los angeles and they oh. said that they could only find three pumpkins mm-hmm. and so they only had three pumpkins to use throughout the movie and they eventually had oh. to buy these like gourds that they painted yellowish mm-hmm. orange yeah. um but they only had that one pumpkin for that one shot because it would break yeah. open and you'd see that it was a pumpkin well that so. was why it was so soft it was springtime yep. and the pumpkins like help me yeah <laughs> <laughs> shriveled yeah. so those the bullies were definitely my dicks i'm like my dick yeah. of the flick was the neighbor that doesn't let Lori <gasps> inside the house. Yes. This like, okay. And if we think about it, like in, in this time period, we have like, you know, we think of people using that, like, help me, help me as like a way to like do a home invasion. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. you know, we have the ring camera days where we can like talk to the person on the ring camera. Mm-hmm. But back then, if you think about it in like a, a nice upper class neighborhood like Haddonfield if you saw a teenage girl which also a thing that they established was that this is kind of like a close-knit town Mm -hmm. where I feel like people would know who Lori is I mean her dad is like the realtor Mm -hmm. for the town and so I feel like for that person to not let her in even though he's like looking at her yeah like it's not that like eye contact yeah (laughs) he like opens up the window and then literally like turned the lights off and was like no i'm going i was like wow yeah like i feel like in that time period anyone would have let Mm -hmm. a teenage girl screaming help into their home and so he for sure is the dick of the flick for Mm -hmm. me yeah like when i watched that i was like same because like for me in this day and age if somebody came screaming to my front porch and and, like my husband wasn't home i'd be like "Mm, we're not cops but yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that sounds mean but like i'm sorry i just like i you never know with people Mm um i feel like there's like maybe like not that it's an explanation by any means but like one it's halloween night so mm-hmm. potentially like this neighbor's like uh oh, this is just a trick like, like a prank. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna you know it's just halloween kids being kids and the other thing i thought about too is like yeah like nowadays we're so hyper aware of this kind of thing but i think mm-hmm. even in the late 70s they were too because serial serial killers had been like such a like big thing in early Mm -hmm. 70s and like maybe even 60s too like probably in 50s as well but like um so like people were aware that Mm -hmm. like there were kind of people who were out there but yeah Yeah. like the fact that he literally like just doesn't call the the cops doesn't like try to talk to her nothing like not my problem Bye. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i also had like i had loomis on very slightly just because um 
of the fact of of his errors but like mm-hmm. i don't even think like that's so much enough to like make him the dick of the flick yeah um, but i did put everyone who didn't take michael myers seriously enough um mm-hmm. as well so so we can all yeah. put the other doctor as yeah the, dick the other the doctor flick. yeah for sure yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Michael Myers, I think he's the king here. Um, mm-hmm. It just almost seemed too easy to give it to Michael, but yeah. you know, he needs I to actually, work through some issues. <laughs> I actually just remembered another why deflick moment, if you don't mind me okay. going back. Yeah. Why so, deflick totally. do Annie and Lori, while they're smoking weed, drive up to her dad? They could have just kept driving. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was like, like she's put like, it out. It's oh, my there's dad. my dad. It rolled down the window and talked to him yeah. while like smoking a yeah. joint. Like what? I feel like y'all could have just driven past. Like, like anyone would have. They didn't open the windows either after they had been smoking. They opened yeah. them to like to talk to him. So when they opened yeah. up the windows, it would have just been like, poof, like <laughs> right. Like you would have. Tw- like he definitely smelled something. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, they had just had to it. have. And, yeah. But it was funny because like he was all the way across the street, like across um like the the yeah. sidewalk area um in front of the store. And I guess they're just morbid curiosity as to why the hardware store yeah. was I don't know. It was very they, like, that went was, out of their way to drive up to him. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. Uh, they could have just kept going. And it's like, oh, it's my dad. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's your dad. Like, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I did love Annie in that moment where like the the alarm is going off in the background <laughs> and he's trying to talk to her and she's like, what? And <laughs> then he, I think the alarm stops ringing and he uh-huh. screams at her and she goes, he shouts too. And then drives away. <laughs> Annie, Annie. Like, Annie is a great character. Um, yeah. You know, obviously Lori is like the queen and we love Lori, but Annie is by far my second favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah she's her lines are so good she and and the performance was great um and her last name was loomis and she was friends with uh oh. john carpenter so I, we're assuming that that is why or how oh, he so got cool. the the last name of loomis yeah so yeah yeah she was Sweet. the inspiration <laughs> nice all right, so now we come to the end where we uh, go into how many flicks do we give? Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to give context for how this movie was received critically. So on IMDb, it has a 7.7 out of 10. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has 96% from critics and 89% from audiences. So mm-hmm. very high overall. Um, I'll let you guys go first. What do you give out of t- uh, five flicks? Um, this is five flicks for me. Mm-hmm. No issues <laughs> at all with this film. So, I mean, besides the ones that we talked about, the yeah. flick and all that. But overall, this is definitely five flicks. Um, like I said earlier, never gets old. I want to watch it every single year to get ready for Halloween. It's just a classic. Yeah, I'm going to get, I know you say uh, in your notes that we're allowed to give decimal points. So I'm going to do a 4.9. Um, I think that there are obviously in those like wide to flick moments that we had, mm-hmm. um, there are those little, those little tweaks that could have been made, but then, you know, you think about the budget that they were working mm-hmm. with, you think about the time period that it was filmed in, you cannot dock it more points than that. Like sure. yeah. for me personally, um, it's, it's an iconic movie. It's what really got me into horror. And so 4.9, just a little, a little tick off for those, those tiny little moments that are like, hmm, could have done a little bit better, but yeah, 
Not any movie. I don't think there's like a perfect movie out there. So I'll probably give 4.9 to every favorite movie that I have. And if you think about it, you can round it up to five. Exactly. On any given day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had, I was like, man, what do I want to give this movie? And I had a different score. But then after I did all the research and talked to you guys, I'm going to give it a five out of five. Like, yeah, (laughs) I've been convinced I've been um, brought into the the Halloween franchise of it all. I'm I'm loving it. And, and now you have your t-shirt to wrap. Yeah, now I have my t-shirt and here <laughs> I'll show it says uh slay, slay all day. Yes. Too. So, you know, slay Michael. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like it's just a quintessential Halloween movie. I feel mm-hmm. like it is now going to become the movie where I watch it every single October along with Hocus Pocus. Like those are Mm -hmm. the two very specific movies that I'm going to be watching. I feel like it's so cool to learn about the back, Mm -hmm. like history backstory of Mm -hmm. how they made this movie and the conversations it's ignited amongst people even since Mm then. And I'm going to watch the others. Like I wasn't sure if I should or not, but you've convinced me. So I'm going to give the others a try, except for Rob Zombie. I'll never revisit that one. I feel okay (laughs) about it. Yeah. It doesn't count. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it five out of five. Awesome. Yay. Yay. Well, that was Halloween. And now I want to give you two a chance to plug your podcast and let everyone know where they can find you guys. Yeah, so you can find us on basically any streaming platform. Um, we're the Ride Home Podcast, and if you want to follow along on social media, we are the Ride Home underscore Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, specific to this episode, we do have our um, episode where we did the watch through of all the Halloweens. Um, so after you watch through them, um, you can give that a listen, um, and anybody else can check that out too. That's from last year so you have to dig a little bit but <laughs> i can try to, i can link to it too in yeah. the show notes okay, i'm cool. gonna link to everything like your podcast your socials awesome. and i can yeah. link to that too in the show notes so very easy for you listeners to go literally Beautiful. find it and if you loved listening to this episode about halloween and you want to hear more about the other halloweens then you can go check out their episode on that awesome Perfect. yeah Hey listeners, jumping in here while editing this episode. This is usually the point where I'd be sharing what our next flick is, but at this time I actually don't know what that is going to be. I can share, however, that it will be a spooky pick, given that our next episode will be out on actual Halloween, so October 31st. So it'll be a surprise for you all listening then, but if you follow us on Instagram at whytheflick, you'll be able to see when we post the next movie on our stories, so either way, stay tuned. So yeah, that brings us to the end of our episode and the end of Halloween. Not Halloween ends, though, to be, <laughs> yeah. to be clear. The OG specific. Halloween. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you liked listening to this episode, make sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating, leave a review, tell a friend, all of that good stuff. And then you can also follow us on social media. We are at WhyTheFlick on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Um, Abby and Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Halloween. It's been a blast and I've had such a fun time. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank we'll you we'll so be much. back anytime. So just tell yeah, us. Yeah, I would love to have you guys on for spooky movie or any other movie in the future. Beautiful. Whatever you Definitely. like. We Great. love it. Thank you. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye.